morning, everybody. Welcome back to the De Leon Talk Podcast. Today, we have a subject. We're going to talk about uh, parenting from a father's perspective. And uh, me personally, sometimes I find it very difficult because I have two young kids, the ages of three and four. And sometimes they get riled up, man. You know, it's kind of hard to chase after them. But I'm a young man also, so it's not that big of a deal. You know, the, the, the things that we learn as men, as young men, we try to translate them over to our children. And some of them may be negative, some may be positive. We just have to weed out the, those negative things that we saw as young men and try to, you know, steer our youth in the good direction, you know, especially our sons, man. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, uh, where we at now? Because this is our second... Second episode. Wow. Man, I, I, this thing is long already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how was your upbringing, man? Any, your father figure, how was, how was that? Oh mine, it was it was all bad. Um, my 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 dad was. Uh, they were well. My parents were young when they had me in the first place. Um, my dad was a gang member, and almost six months, seven months into me being born, there was a, a, a an abusive relationship between him and my mom, mm. and then he ended up going to prison, and then my mom was kind of. Young, so I ended up basically, basically being raised by my grandmother until my dad got out, and I still didn't live with him or anything like that. So, um, yeah. yeah, I hear you, bro. My father, man, he was a military man, you know, and a lot of his 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 love or so called there, uh, you know, it was, it was more physical than anything. You know, I can count on one hand, you know, how many times my father told me, you know, I love you. You know, that kind of stuck with me growing up because I was never very uh, an emotional type of person. I didn't know how to express my emotions, you know. But this time around, my, my younger children, you know, I, I give them hugs, kiss them, tell them how much I love them every day. I'm very affectionate with them, you know. And that's something I didn't get, you know, growing up. And, and, and to look at it in retrospect, it made me a tougher human being mentally and physically, you know, not to expect that type of love. But it also crippled me emotionally because I did not know how to express that love to my children. As a man, you know, man to man, man to daughter, I didn't know how to do that, you know. And and looking at myself, thinking, dang, they can't grow up feeling like this. They cannot grow up feeling not loved, you know, because I know how that feels, you know what I mean. And and a, and a lot of this stuff comes from, you know, goes back to the prison stuff. It goes back to absentee fathers, you know. In America, out of, out of 19.7 million kids, more than one in four live without a father figure, and that's the father the biological father, the stepfather, or a foster father in the picture. So I kind of see the lack of men influencing children in this day and age, especially, man. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, man. I, I, I never read those statistics. But on, on the second hand, though, on the flip side, you got some good moms out there that, I mean, they play that mother-father role. And, and man, there's a lot of them that actually do it well. Yeah. I mean... I don't think they get the credit that they deserve sometimes because, you know, just the way it, it, it is, I guess, but, um. Yeah, and it's kind of, uh, you know, my mother did what she could, you know, with the resources she had. My grandmother played a big part also, and my grandfather. But uh, it, it becomes kind of, I don't want to say unfair, it becomes kind of like not normal, but it is normal for just the mother to take up that role because in my personal opinion, bro, it's certain things that I was not taught by my father that I had to learn from other male role models, 
and I consider him a role model at the time because that's who I looked up to. Whatever you present yourself as, as a man, somebody's looking. Like, like we're leaders to an extent to somebody. Somebody is always watching us. Whether they want to take our, the way we dress, they want to take the way we talk, our slang, they want to use that and they want to fit that into their personality. So we influence somebody somehow, you know, whether it be negative or positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but mostly, man, like my the, the people I want to be like, they ended up in prison or dead. That that was the two main trophies that you got, you know, and they're not a trophy because you're not existing, whether you're in a cell or you're underground. My biggest influence, though, the positive one was my grandfather, man. He got out. He owned his own tax office in Houston, the Fifth Ward area. He uh, he was a vet, you know, as am I and my father. I looked at him as as uh, the godfather, so to speak. You know, he handled his business. He took care of his family financially and emotionally. He did a lot of things that I aspired to be aspired to be now. You know, then when I was younger, I didn't care about those things. But now, you know, coming into my own, I'm 30, about to be 39. It took me a long time. But uh, I'm starting to see those lessons that he told me and taught me and those things he would tell me and my sister. You know, it, it came to light, man. You know, you do bad, you get bad. You do good, you get good. Sometimes that's not always the case. But I'd rather, you know, be on the up end of the good side, you know, than doing things that represents my family wrong and represents me as a young man wrong. Yeah, you know what? I want to touch on something real quick. Uh, uh, you know, people that influence you and uh, come in and step in and have that, you know, that father role. And I was, I was like maybe... 11, 12, and there was a church, and see, I'm, I'm going to go back to this real quick, because there was a church that came out of nowhere to the neighborhood. I, I lived over there off of Adams, mm-hmm. and uh, in between, uh, off of Budlong and Adams. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a church that came in, and it was called World Impact. And I don't know, they just came in by storm, man. They just, man, they just came in, and they started going door to door, and they started intermingling with the with the community yeah. and trying to do, they were doing you know I, I don't know what they they call uh, uh, the whole witnesses maybe no no they were Christians mm. but uh, when uh, outreaches outreach I get you they were they were doing the whole outreaching thing and I was I, obviously I didn't even know what that was at the time but there was a guy named Charlie and he he was from Virginia and he would oh, for some reason man just like would always come come by my grandmother's house and want to talk and i think he seen something he seen me on the street sometimes and he would see me doing bad or whatever the case but he was watching so i think he felt in his heart that he had to reach out to me and try to try to to save me from the streets and i would resist him but then there was times when i you know maybe i was feeling lonely or i don't know i was going through something and and I would sit there and talk to him and he would bring out the Bible and he would just hit me with verses and things that he thought applied to me. And he would and then he would stop doing that and then he would just want to just like come by and ask me, Hey, you hungry? Let's go get something to eat and we wouldn't even talk about God. Right. He would just say, How you doing? You know what I mean? It wasn't even I guess he was trying to reach me in a way where I'm not gonna over preach to him. I'm gonna let it fall. Yeah. You know, let the teachings fall. And then it stopped. And then I got arrested. I started going to youth authority and all this other stuff. But 
what's what's amazing is he always kept in contact and wrote me letters and, and he didn't have to do none of that right so he was always just and it wasn't about preaching to me it, it was just he would write me letters just saying hey how you doing hope everything's good hope you if you need anything let me know and he would occasionally send me twenty dollars or ten dollars or whatever it was that he had right. that he could spend and that lasted for years and it was just communication right and then it stopped I didn't know his wife got cancer. He got cancer. Like so many things were going on in his life right. where it stopped. Right. And he moved back to Virginia to be with his family and all that. His wife ended up dying. But he survived. And when I, years later, when I when, when the whole change process was going on in my mind, mm-hmm. his, his I, I could see him. Like, that was my motivation. Like, Changing for Charlie. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. So, at the end of the day, everything that he was doing and, and all the, the seeds that he was planting in, in, when I was young, it all kicked in. Right. And, and it just, man, it just happened. Well, I'm glad you touched on that, man. See, we sometimes, we have a distorted perception of ourselves. And, 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 and oftentimes, it takes somebody from the outside to let us know that we're valued, that we have something going on for ourselves. We may have a talent and something. We may have a good personality. We're just not pushing it in the right direction. You know, that's where the leading part comes in. Uh, a father figure comes in. Because if you don't have that, you're going to be led by anything. Any, yeah. Anything, you know. So somebody stepping in and taking that place. Not necessarily a father figure. A mentor. Somebody, yeah. somebody that you aspire to be. Somebody that you look up to and admire. Those are the individuals who step in in place of the father, the grandfather, who try to help us as young men to mold us into something that's going to be productive in society. You know, and a lot of us don't get it, or a lot of us get it, but don't accept it as what it is, you know. We still didn't want to do bad, you know, and that's, I'm guilty of that also. You know, I would call them squares, you know, look at him over there with his nine to five and stuff. But at the same time, that's the person I'm going to be working for one day, you know. Right, guys, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Daily Untold Podcast. Hopefully, it helps somebody out there. Hopefully, you guys took in what we had to say. God bless you guys.